Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Apparently, this meeting is being recorded, as it's supposed to be. Some kind lady just told us that. She's never done that before. Welcome to uh, Sharing Socks. I am Southside Socks uh, duty geezer, Lee Allen, and with me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will, whose uh, head and hat are blocking out a part of apparently the greatest streaker ever at an American League, or I mean, excuse me, a Major League Baseball game that occurred in Washington last night. Uh, better keep that blocked out. Uh, <laughs> we are, um, well, I should say I'm wearing, pull this up here, it's visible, my Milkman shirt. Uh, this is kind of an honor of, of Andrew Bond because he takes Milky Cabrera-like routes to uh, balls quite often. But also, I love the shirt. And Will also would have had a Milkman shirt, except that every time we get a freebie at the ballpark, and I've got all kinds of stuff that were freebies at ballparks, I think this hat was. That hat, um, yeah. He leaves it under the seat, uh, which is nice because the the janitor's kids probably enjoy getting a free hat or shirt or whatever it might be. Uh, at any rate, we're going to be talking about the week that was. Uh, something to save baseball. Stoney came up with another great idea. Uh, in uh, Wednesday afternoon's game. Uh, a simple one to implement, really. And baseball desperately needs saving. I got some stats on that. But first, let us get into Sox can't go a week without controversy. I mean, they barely survived the Mercedes dare to swing at a 3-0 pitch controversy. And now, Larusa in the middle of it, although I'm sure it's not his fault this time. No, I'm not sure, but I presume it's not his fault <laughs> this time. The Loretta Lounge. Uh, I don't know if anybody out there could possibly be unfamiliar, but there's a lounge down on the 100 level of the ballpark named for a woman who worked 
for the White Sox at the park in concessions for 60 years. And they named it for in 2005. During and the World Series. During the World Series. She is deceased. She died in 2014. But it was such a nice thing to name a lounge for this lady who was just a concession worker out of the thousands of the lowest paid, hardest job people in the ballpark were involved with the team at all. And they, for reasons unbeknownst to anybody but the basic human scum that run the White Sox, decided to change this to the La Russa Lounge. I'm sure that Tony did not make that decision. You know, you love this team, you love the guys, but this organization is just crap. <laughs> and it is in so many ways. It's embarrassing. This this decision is absolutely embarrassing. I mean, you're talking about something that is so unimportant, the name of this lounge. And they go and they give it the maximum amount of importance it can possibly have, which is to honor an employee who worked there for 60 years. They did it during the World Series. Everybody loved this decision. No one goes to the park thinking, I got to make sure I go to Loretta's Lounge. However, that alone is a reason not to ever change it, ever. There is no reason to change this thing. And to change it from a hardworking employee to a bum manager who's, you know, he did manage back in the 80s, but now he's been managing them again for a couple months and poorly at that. Very poorly. Not only do they do that, they don't inform the family they're going to do it. They don't. They didn't even give, give them the little thing over the door, the sign. They don't give them the sign. And I mean, this is as pathetic of a move as a franchise can make. In a lot of ways, it is the worst move they've made during this whole thing. All it does is piss off your fans. Twitter is going nuts. I know I've sent them multiple tweets Everybody I've seen on Twitter is just destroying the team for this. And, of course, LaRusa has nothing to do with this decision. He probably saw it and was like, great, finally, they changed it to what it should be. But he didn't, <laughs> he didn't actually have anything to do with this. That being said, somebody did. It didn't happen on its own. Somebody said, let's take down the sign honoring the woman who worked here for 60 years that all the fans love and let's replace it with a sign of the manager that all the fans currently pretty much despise and also there are some connotations of LaRusse's lounge that are also not great (laughs) for other reasons right now that are just I mean this is like one of those things where when you see Scarlett Johansson get cast in the role as an Asian woman and you're just like how many people said yes to this? This is the same thing. This wasn't one person. You know how businesses works. You know, this was on an email thread with 75 people at least. And then somebody at the top said, you know what? Fans are going to like this. They're going to like us taking something away from Loretta and giving it to Larusa. This is so stupid. It is I mean, the, the your mean stuff, which, you know, may have actually had a psychological toll on the guy at this point now. Uh, we're Looks seeing like how it. he's been playing since, which was our big concern on why you don't throw a player under the bus. 
And then we go and honor him while crapping all over uh, the fan base's favorite employee, maybe of all time. This is so absurd. It's so pathetic. It is a Reinsdorf decision if I've ever seen one, which is also bizarre because clearly someone in 2005 said, let's do this good thing, and everyone loved it. And then why you would 16 years later undo it? It costs money to undo it. It costs no money to keep it the same. So this is not only a stupid decision in terms of offending your fan base at its core, but it doesn't make sense monetarily speaking. You got to make the new sign. It, it's so stupid. I, I can't believe it. It's really shocking. It makes the National Park streaker guy who knew to hide in the tarp tube while the security guys were trying to find him seem like a genius compared to the people running the Sox organization. It's it's so offensive and so stupid. They don't – oh, I'm angry. I'm angry. And again <laughs> – I can separate this from the team. This has nothing to do with the the boys in black who are, you know, playing baseball every day. I'm I'm sure Tim Anderson's looking at that like, what the hell? Uh, So this has nothing to do with the guys who still love the players, love the team. But the organization is just every day doing something new and, 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 and dumber than the thing before. Like, I feel like we're going to wake up tomorrow and find out that it's now called, you know, All Lives Matter Stadium. Like, this is this is just stupid decision making. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. What do you think about it? I can't imagine. I, you like I, it. I, I think uh, unfortunately, what I think is eventually it blows over. Uh, I don't think the White Sox go back because they never seem to go back on anything. Uh, and correct their errors. I think they will go back on this because I think drunk fans are going to vandalize it. And once that happens, they're going to have to get rid of it. We've already seen bleacher fights this year at guaranteed rates. So we know the fans are riled up. There's nobody there. And there's enough there to fight. (laughs) And there's more room for them to fight. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the video, but there was a very solid bleacher fight between women. Um, I don't really care about any of that. They can fight if they want. They'll get kicked out. It happens at sporting events. People are stupid and drunk, and it happens. Um, hey, I, saw, I saw drunks throw Bill Vick literally through the air. It's one section over from me, so it happens. Well, it's happened for a long time. I mean, as long as you're not pulling the Sixers fan dumping popcorn on the player as they leave injured thing that happened to Westbrook last night, if you get in a fight and get kicked out, Whatever. That was you paid. You you blew it. You might get banned for life. You earned it. I think we're gonna see people vandalizing this sign. I mean, I've even seen Twitter threats of people saying, if that sign is there at game time for the first game against Baltimore, I can assure you it won't be there by the end of the game. Um I think well, that'd that, be interesting. That is where we're gonna get something because Sox fans you know, we, we have this really great thing going right now, and a huge credit actually to Benetti and Stone of this really kind of feeling like a local team, like a local, local team, like the fans are part of the family. The only people who are acting like they're not are the higher-ups. They don't well, get and, this and, thing and, that we have going. And beyond a local team, partly because it's Bridgeport, it's outside. 
and it, and 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 in contrast to the Cubs, who are the suburban team and the white collar team and the, and the frat boy team. Accurately or not, the White Sox are seen as the working man's team, the every every man's team, every man and woman. I don't. I think it's accurate too. I, I, I don't it, think it's, it's wrong. I think it's largely accurate. It, we don't have forty-five dollar beers uh, at the park. You know, it it's. Well, we got $10 years. We actually have very fairly priced food. Uh, as and you can actually get tickets to the game yeah. for your family at a price that's less than $500 to take your kids to, to take your whole family to a baseball game. That, that's another, that's another story. Um, but Sox fans rally hard behind their own. And Loretta was one of us. That is someone who devoted her life to Sox fans. And and the love, I mean, she had to have an immense love of the White Sox team. She had to love the fans. You don't work somewhere for 60 years if you don't want to give your all to it. And she did. And this is such a slap in the face to our concept. I It'll be interesting to see if Benetti and Stone ever say anything about it. They might be told that they have to keep hush about it. Um, but it, it, it's such a bonehead, disrespectful move. I think that Sox fans themselves are going to take that sign down. And, you know, people could say, oh, it's not the appropriate thing to do. A LaRusso Lounge sign, you're not hurting other human beings. Go for it. I don't care. Rip it down. Break it. Rip it to shreds. As long as you don't hurt another human being, I don't care. All right. Let's go to uh, actual baseball stuff. I do want to get into the trying to save the game because of what's happening to offenses, and I've got some figures for that. It's just horrible. Um, and Stoney had a real good idea that he talked about. I'm going to get to in a while. First of all, the week it was. Uh, swept by the Yankees. You're going to be beaten by Garrett Cole, even on uh, – when he's having a bad day, that's just going to happen. Dylan Cease in that game, unfortunately, I think it was just one bad strike call. A strike he thought he had that he didn't get, and suddenly he fell apart. And you can't fall apart on one call. You're going to get bad calls all the time. Yeah. Uh, and calls in your favor. It's just the way it goes. Uh, I, I do think the umping this year has been worse than I ever remember. But maybe really it just bad. got got into my head. I mean, we're talking home plate dumping, not, not the rest of yeah. it. Uh, maybe it got into my head and I and so I'm, I'm looking for it to be bad, but it just seems worse than the normal. Like, they really want the electronic machines to be yeah. brought in next year just to save them from a lot of grief. I mean, it's hard. I mean, pitchers are coming 100 miles an hour now. I'm moving all over the damn place and you've got to decide whether it's an inch this way or an inch that way. That ain't easy. I don't care you know, how many. It's it's one of those jobs of where, where I love I love complaining about it all the time, but I could never do it. I could never make those calls correctly with a ball going a hundred miles an hour, or sometimes ninety nine and breaking four feet. And I you've got to figure it. out the depth. That that's the hard the depth because the guy's catching it down on the ground or up in his head or whatever. But it's got to figure out when it when it crossed that the plate. Um, Oh, so the two other games, uh, very close. Well, let me talk had... about Cease real quick, though. Cease, it, uh, you're absolutely right. He fell apart after one call, a fastball in the outside corner, and he just, he didn't get the call, and he just 
melted. And that is why he needs to be doing sort of the Lucas Giolito route. Because we I, well, I've got to say that. Yeah. Giolito has to take him by the hand and say, and, and I, Giolito was helped in the psychological factor by the fact he's very smart, which I'm not sure is true of Dylan. But Giolito's got to take him. But you don't know. No, I don't yeah. know. I said I'm not sure. But I know Giolito's smart. Uh, has got to take him and say, look, I went to these guys after 2018, and they did incredible incredible things to get me. I mean, we all always say, just worry about the next pitch. Don't worry. It's very hard. These guys taught me to actually only worry about the next pitch. I think they could really help you, really would make a difference. And I mean, there's nothing to lose doing this. He, he's no, got he's, to do something because he, he, has he to falls do apart really easily. And, uh, and uh, everybody change. falls apart like Jack Flaherty fell apart in the, in the wow. uh, second St. Louis game. <laughs> I mean, Jack Flaherty didn't really ever fall apart. <laughs> His team just forced him apart. Well, he wasn't pitching at Jack Flaherty, but that reminded me of a little family reminiscence here. When you were in high school, you pitched. It was an, a preseason type exhibition game up in either Troy or Tip City. This is uh, the one Ohio. I know. Uh, where the wind chills were had to be single digits. It was absolutely frigid. And as I recall, you gave up one hit, one legitimate hit, and 17 runs. <laughs> I mean, both of us did. Both, yeah, oh yeah, both whites. It was like, I think they went three innings and said, oh, God, we can't do this anymore, let's quit. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 18, 17. The only time. Your whole team, your whole team had their hands inside their pants trying to keep them, even their glove hands. They didn't catch anything. <laughs> And I mean, I'm throwing it as hard as I can in that weather, which is about 30 miles an hour because your arm just doesn't move. And the guys don't even want to hit the ball because it hurts so bad. <laughs> That's the only time I've ever gone up to a starter on another team and said, I'll quit right now if you do. And he said, yes, we're done. Um, but Dylan, Dylan sees back to Dylan. He really does need to do that. His career will be short-lived if he cannot figure that stuff out. And it is... He's young, he's still pretty new, but we are now getting at the point where Dylan has to start being able to, to make it through games without this kind of meltdown. You, you, we are at that point. And I think it's super possible, but I do think that it's going to take like a uh, Giolito type person to, to convince him to do the sports psychology thing. I don't know why you wouldn't do it immediately i don't know why you wouldn't say i want to do that i want to be like giolito but you know there's still you know stigmas around the word psychology or whatever uh i don't even know if it's that but you know he he will not be elite until he does something like that because this isn't the first time we've seen him melt down after a call like that and you see a total change in his body language the second after it happened toe to the sky falling off the mound Everything's a ball. Yeah, that, it's, that's sad. The other two games in New York, and, and you know, I've said for weeks before this, we're going to know how good the White Sox are for real when they play the Yankees, when the Yankees series comes up, because the division is so incredibly bad that yeah. you don't get much of a sense. I still think the Sox are very good. They're going to win the division. They might do it by 20 games because it's so bad. But then they they face a problem in playoffs. The other two games in New York, close games, I think both – lost in part doesn't that mean they wouldn't have been lost anyway by bad managerial decisions bad pitcher management uh particularly leaving Evan Marshall in, in the first game 
after he was getting bombed in one inning and bring him back. <laughs> and later on, he's pitching great and you take him out. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Uh, St. Louis, uh, and, and they, they were just strange games. They, they had the, uh, horrible managerial decision, uh, to leave Kim in. But, you know, he's a, he, you get a manager who's a LaRusso protege. So it's, yeah. it's, it's quite possible if they took, came out, they win the game. But I think we would have won anyway. We would have won the second one, probably anyway. Uh, the third one, three sacrifice bunts. I'm not one of those guys who rants and raves about sacrifice bunts. I think there are times for them where, where they're a really good idea. I do think LaRusso is kind of hooked into an era when they were always a good idea. Um, now, the three guys who bonded, I think it was uh, Eaton, Collins, Hamilton, Hamilton. Uh, none of them can hit. So there is that. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, those seemed like bad decisions. And I really thought it was a bad decision. They were only down 2 nothing in the ninth to get the guys on second and third, and up came uh, uh, shortstop Sosa. Yeah, Sosa. Um, he's the last guy in that team that can hit. The next four guys couldn't hit if you put it on a tee. So why don't you put him on? You get the force at home that way too. Double play. Just, just blow through these these guys. They can't hit none of them. <laughs> and instead, give him the chance. He drives into two runs. Now it's a four run game, and forget about it. So there was that for the week that was. Well, and it was um, also just a huge waste of of Rodon's. Really stellar. Oh, yes, again. I mean, I mean it's two games in a row fixed. where Carlos has pitched absolutely brilliantly. In one case, actually getting the loss, the St. Louis game, got stuck with that because he gave up the one run. And um, in the other case, the team getting the loss. Um, yeah, they, they've wasted some absolutely brilliant pitching from Carlos Rodon. Well, we should take a break here because I know we still want to come back and talk about uh, some pace of play stuff and some some stuff to possibly do to make the game uh, a little smoother. So let's take a quick break and we will be right back on sharing socks. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And welcome back to Sharing Socks. We just finished up a little week in review that was not the most delightful week. Um, I'm not too worried about the Yankees sweep just because we theoretically will have some, some big bats and big uh, one big glove and maybe two big gloves back uh, the next time we would see them in the ALCS, which is when we'll see them. Um, but uh, the St. Louis yesterday was really the only one that was kind of a shameful situation uh, I, we talked about the sack bunts. I don't hate the sack bunts there, which I know is going to get me a lot of flack um, because those guys can't hit. And it doesn't feel like trading an out when you've got guys you can't hit. The big problem is nobody hit after the sack bunts. You know, no. you, you can look and say the sack bunts were a bad move. Well, they're not if anyone can hit the ball and nobody could. So 
but anyway, let's move on. You wanted to talk about. Uh... I want to. I want to talk about hitting the ball in general, not just the size. But first, we should mention uh, speaking to somebody who's hitting the ball well. Uh, Adam Engel and uh, his rehab stint down at Charlotte is three for eight, including a homer and a double. Uh, I would hope sooner than they, you can have 20 days for a rehab stint, but I hope he's up in the next week. Uh, he even got be. hurt uh, Wednesday. It's not the worst thing to happen to the team if Adam Eaton is out for, oh, maybe the season, except that we have a shortage of outfielders. So if Adam Engel comes back, we need one Adam E at a time. Um uh, yeah. So Adam Engel comes back, takes over center field. Uh, Leroy can go to right, or he can make other some other arrangement. Who do you send down? Very quickly, who do you who do you send down? Oh, wow, that's a tough call. That's a tough. I'm liking call. Jake Lamb. Oh, duh. Yeah, of course, Jake Lamb. Jake Lamb. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about talk about offense and the lack of it. I, I looked up some numbers. Uh, and Stoney got into this again, and uh, I want to get to what he was talking about. But this year, Major League average, 237, batting average, 708 on base plus slugging, 4.38 runs per game. Last year, 245, 740, 4.65 runs per game. Year before, 252, 758, 4.83 runs per game. You can keep going, and it's going to be the same kind of thing. Uh, that's like 10% less offense just over the course of, of two years. The pitchers, it's, the pitchers are too good, and the batters are doing this stupid launch angle thing, uh, which you hope will be cut down if the ball gets dejuiced some and so forth. But what Stoney was talking about on Wednesday, which was, was very interesting, was that it used to be, and I can't remember which league is which, but in, in one league, the umpires would stand behind the catcher and look over his head. And they tended to call the high strike, but not the low strike. And in the other league, they went in the like over the catcher's shoulder, and they would call the low strike, but not the high strike. And it was low strike league and high strike league, and old man, I forget which, which was which. And Stoney was saying, we need to get back to the high strike, where every umpire is situated where it's a high strike, back up over the head. Because the high strike, you can't launch angle. True. So if you if it's always the high strike being called, then the launch angle hitting is going to go away because it has to. It's going to be very unsuccessful. And I would say the other thing is that you have to, in turn, make the low strike disappear, the real low strike. The, technically, it is the hollow at the back of the knee. I think it had been the bottom of the knee until fairly recently. That didn't make much change. You know, you could move that to the top of the knee so you lose another two maybe three inches off the bottom of the strike zone. You gain it on the top of the strike zone. And that could help the offense a great deal. It would make the batters more honest in the way they bat. It takes away one kind of weapon of the pitchers, but we kind of need to take away some weapons from the pitchers right now. because This is going in a direction that is really not healthy for baseball. Well, the first thing I'll say is I don't blame pitchers ever for being really good. I mean, no, they no, are, that's their job. They're, they're throwing the ball that they have, and they are getting better and better. They're getting stronger and stronger, and the hitters aren't doing the work to match it. And a, a huge thing with that is launch angle. You know, all of these guys are taught launch angle now, launch angle, launch angle. Well, 
there would be a lot more offense if these guys were shortening up their swing and driving the bat straight through the middle of the zone. You know, when you're just trying to hit home runs, you're going to strike out all the time. You're going to miss a lot of sliders. You're going to miss a lot of high fastballs, which those were balls people used to hit. They used to drive them to opposite field for base hits, doubles in the gap. You know, it's, it's a, the biggest problem for me is, is launch angle and the fact that the ball, you can blow on it and it goes to outer space. You know, I, I can't put the blame on the pitchers. I don't even like the idea of moving the mound at all. I, I, I just don't like it. I don't think we need to be changing the game to the point where we're, we're going to move the mound. I mean, we're doing something else wrong first that needs to be addressed. Well, but I think this, this umpiring method is easier than moving the mound or doing a lot of physics with the baseball. I still think things can be done to the ball that both keep it from being, you know, a golf ball as, as far as hitting it out and make it harder for pitchers. And I mean, the pitchers, not only are they bigger and stronger, but now they've got all the science of, of uh, revolutions per minute and, and, and all these other things that go on to, to exactly how they're putting spin on and how, what they're doing with it. Uh, the batters need some help. They're going to need. There's, I think there's a point you can't have reactions faster than a certain point. It just it just isn't humanly possible. You can keep throwing the ball harder and harder and harder. That's humanly possible. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I don't think we're going to ever see guys routinely throwing 106. You know, it's just there is a limit to the human body and how hard. You can throw things. I mean, obviously, we've seen Chapman hit 105 early in his career. Uh, but there's also always a danger in throwing at those speeds. You can end your career rather quickly throwing at those speeds. Um, Chapman is kind of a just fluke scenario where he's been able to keep it up for a long time. Um, I like the idea of the strike zone change. I, I think that is a great first thing to try. I do think it does mean that strikes and balls have to be called electronically because if you tell umpires take away that pitch, give the high strike, they're not going to just get it right. You know, they've been calling the ball away for years and years and years. They're not just all of a sudden going to notice when it's an inch higher than the back of the hollow and the knee, which of course is already a ridiculous thing to tell them that they need to track. Um, it, I, I think it really would have to be switching to an, an electronics strike zone. But I agree with that. And I agree with, uh, you know, the idea that you can't launch angle the high fastball. It's going to change a lot. It's going to make a lot of guys have to change their swings, especially uh, after they get behind in the count. And they're going to start poking the ball and just trying to get the ball in play. You know, the reason scoring is so far down is no one's on base ever. It's it's so many home runs, so many solo home runs. People on Twitter complain about walks, which blows my mind that they complain about walks. Don't take a walk. You should be trying to hit a home run. Well, that's stupid, and it's terrible baseball. And that's the reason that runs are down and strikeouts are up, because everybody's just trying to launch the ball every single time. And what that's we need... Not Nick Matrical. And look who's on base all the time. And I, yeah. I think that's really important. People need to be – so many guys used to hit like Nick Madrigal. Craig Biggio hit like 
Nick Madrigal his entire career, and nobody thought that it was stupid. So, like, yes, I get the pitchers are getting better. I think there does need to be a little change to this ball. But I like the idea of, of experimenting with the strike zone before we experiment with moving the actual mound back. Um, I don't think punishing the pitchers is necessarily the answer right now. Uh, you, you were talking about people throwing over 100 miles an hour. Michael Kopech took a nasty fall uh, in Wednesday's game and just kind of out of nowhere. It was, an, it was a pop-up, so it wasn't like he felt he had to get out of the way of a line drive, but it was almost he was looking at the pop-up and, and, and missed his step. Um, he limped off. I, that's you know, an important. Like I say, we, we live, the, and, and yet another hamstring. It's it's like the Sox hamstrings are, are, are they don't they, don't, they must not stretch. They they must <laughs> never stretch. It's it's so bizarre. The Kopech thing is so strange. I watched that replay many times, and very he odd. doesn't even seem to step wrong. Like there's there's nothing about the delivery and the follow through that seems weird because he actually goes through the whole move and then oh, a strike. I mean, through it as a strike. Kind of, then just kind of flips. So I would have thought it was an ankle thing where he just realized I got to get my weight off my ankle. Apparently it's hamstring. Um, it was very strange. So I guess what he did was he, he made it through the rotation and then just felt a hamstring seize and then just knows better than to try to stay up when that happens and Maybe. goes down. Maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a huge loss if it's going to be an He is supposed to exit. start Monday. Maybe we get this one of these split double header seven innings things on Memorial Day. Um, I think, you know, you don't like the seven inning double header at all. I think it's, it's fine if you're actually playing a double header, but if it's a split and people have to buy tickets to each game, I think to make it seven innings is just pure greed. Unless um, it's half price. If it's yeah. if you're going to do seven innings, you got to charge me less. You're I'm I'm legitimately getting less product for the same amount of money. I mean, why do they think that they can get away with that? You know, it's like you have a 20 ounce Coca Cola and you have a 15 ounce Coca Cola. And you want people to pay the same for the 15 ounce as the 20 ounce. And I'm just not going to do it. Now, there are people who will do it. But I do think I I hate the seven inning doubleheader. It's so pathetic. It just makes baseball look weak and stupid. And I I, I can't get into it at all. I mean, this is a nine inning game. This is a nine inning game. The only time we should ever be playing less than that is if there is some sort of weather emergency, you know, where where a game gets cut short. That can happen. You know, Mother Nature is going to be Mother Nature. But this whole we're just going out there to play seven thing, that's high school. That's high school baseball. I don't want to hear anyone complain about anything ever if you're playing seven inning games. It's a joke. I think it's such a joke. I, I hate the the extra inning runner on second rule with a passion but I might even hate the seven-inning rule even more. I don't like that you you can just go out and not have to use all your pitchers. Like, it, it's part of the game. If you don't want to use everyone, play better. I, I, I totally agree with Trevor Bauer on one thing. If you don't want this stuff to happen, play better. Be better at baseball. 
learn how to adjust to these things. It, it drives me crazy. It drives me absolutely crazy. This game is so quickly not looking like what it even looked like in my childhood. Um, that it is, it's losing its fun. I mean, I still watch it every day. I still enjoy watching it. Some days I enjoy watching a lot more than others. I'm very much at the point where when a game gets to four hours, I'm just angry for the rest of the, the game that you've taken up that much of my day. There's no reason a nine inning game should be over three hours really ever. Um, but they all are now essentially. And to do the seven inning thing to just like save people and rest people and to not have such a long day. No, play faster, play better. Um, you know, another reason the pitchers are so good is because they take seven minutes in between pitches. You know, you can't throw 102 every time if you don't have two minutes to recoup between each pitch. But that's what we're seeing. You're seeing these guys throw as hard as they can, and then they come up. For those who aren't uh, watching, I, I, I'm recovering. I'm taking all these deep breaths to get back up so that the next pitch can also be 102. That's not how guys pitched when I was growing up. And I hate to be I'm, – I'm 34. I shouldn't even be saying that kind of thing, what baseball was like when I was growing up. But you don't see guys – take a full recovery cycle between pitches. You don't see Pedro Martinez taking a, a minute and a half to recover. No, the whole point is you have to get through your half inning, and you have to do different things to get past those batters. You know, Greg Maddox never threw the ball anywhere near 100 miles an hour. He barely ever threw the ball near 95 miles an hour, and he's – Pitch faster. It's a Mark Burley thing, too. Mark Bo- Mark Burley, he pitched fast. That's another type of advantage you can have, is to be ready to go and be ready to pitch. But when you recover like this, every single pitch is its own event, and it makes the game so boring. The fact that the pitchers get to recover, the batters step out of the box, they do their gloves, they do their thing, which they have to do because they're about to face another 102-mile-an-hour pitch. I can't even blame the batters for that. So I'm very pro-pitcher, as you know from this podcast today, but the whole I get a minute and a half between pitches so that I can recover to throw 100 every single time, it's BS. It's garbage baseball. I mean, I don't know how to enforce it, but you have to get these pitchers. You just put a clock on it. No, you just put a clock on it. That, that's and then you simple. have to actually penalize them for the clock. And the right. clock has to be a real number that is actually going to speed up the game because the clocks they use now don't speed up the game in any way, shape, or form. The clocks are all too long. The between innings clocks, the relief pitcher coming in clocks, they're a joke. I mean, you need to put a, a shot clock on it. There's a reason there's a shot clock in the NBA. It's because basketball would suck if you got as much time as you wanted. As we saw back in the day when they would run the triangle and they would just pass the ball for an hour. You know, we you, you can't do that. And that's what they need to do to these pitchers. And I can guarantee you, when you put a clock on these pitchers, they cannot throw 100 miles an hour every time. And you have to tell the batters, the batters have to stay in the box. I mean, that that's another thing. Every Which batter. they will because the pitchers are going to be throwing the ball sooner. Yes. yes. If, the rule, if the rule is 20 seconds, then the batters can't go anywhere. They can't go anywhere. 
they can't because then the pitcher has the right to throw that ball within 20 seconds, which means you got to be in the box ready to hit it. And I can tell you, I can guarantee, and I will eat dirt until the end of my life if that doesn't bring pitch speeds down. And it will because it's all about recovery. And if you get that recovery time, you can throw 100 every single time. But the game shouldn't be about recovery time. The game should be about throwing, hitting. And that will happen again if the pitchers have to throw the ball. Now, I don't know what the penalty should be for not getting the pitch in. And and that would be my guess is you automatically get a ball. And that is going to get people to throw faster because no one's going to give up a a free ball or two every at-bat. It's just not going to happen ever. There's going to be no analytics on the planet that say it's better to take your time and give up two balls in each count. It's just not going to happen because then you can only throw right down the middle every single time. That gets you some hits, but the pitchers aren't going to want that. So they're going to be throwing. They're going to be avoiding the ball. I, I think that's a great answer. I think you alter the strike zone. You get a pitch clock going. Because they they are the real culprit of why this game is taking so long is the pitchers taking a walk around the entire concourse and looking at the food options between pitches. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think that's about all the time we have for today. Do you have anything else before we sign off? No, no. I, I was going to bring up something about Mercedes now using his high leg, leg kick, even with two strikes, which he wasn't doing, and it was paying off very well, and it's not paying off well at all now. But I won't bring that up at all because we're out of time. We're out of time. And, you know, sometimes it turns out that when your manager throws a player under the bus, they uh, go through a little slump. I'm not worried about your mean, but I hope he can get his flair back and his baseball brain back. He's been struggling. And he's been really struggling ever since that garbage uh, presser from La Russa. So you're mean. I know you're not listening. But if you are, we love you. We know you'll come back. That's all the time we have on Sharing Socks. Let's kick some Oriole butts. This should be a great weekend for the offense to get going again. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Sharing Socks.